All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast, a Megapod edition with Oregon State and the recruiting class of 2018 under new head coach Jonathan Smith. Uh, I'm Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, alongside, as always, the wonderful Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com, who is basically on Team No Sleep right now. Um, but uh, recruiting is done. They've got their class. It is completed. How you doing, Angie? I'm good. Yes, I, I'm a little tired today, but um, I, I did go to the recruiting uh, recruiting celebration dinner they did last night, so it was late night, but so fun to see so many of our podcast listeners and Beaver Blitz uh, members. It was fun. Thank you for coming up and introducing yourself and, and saying hi. Yeah, thank you to everybody that listens to the podcast, that visits Beaver Blitz, that listens to my radio show, maybe even. Um, we, we appreciate you guys, and Angie was telling me some of the stories. It sounds like it was a great time last night. And uh, it's awesome that you guys went up and and talked to Angie because we love to interact with the listeners of the podcast. I do have to admit one quick thing before we dive into the real meats and potatoes of this podcast. So I've known about the recruiting dinner for a long time. I've never really inquired about it personally. I was always wondering how people went to it. Like, what do you do to go to that? You know, okay, total more information than the listeners need to know. I actually started that recruiting dinner. That was like my baby. Oh, did you? When um, I was the BASF at the time, or now it's Our Beaver Nation, the Portland fundraiser. So that was, Greg Byrne tasked me with that. That was like my my baby. And I think we started in like 03 or 04 was our first year. Um, and we, cause we used to just do a luncheon. It was out at the Doubletree um, Lloyd Center and it was a big luncheon. And you know, Dennis Erickson could draw like a thousand people to that signing day luncheon. But the dinner thing was, was my little project and it's grown and it goes out to donors. So the invitation goes out to donors typically. Um, and then this year it was open to everybody. It's it's not cheap. It's a it's a hundred dollar a plate dinner fundraiser. A huge auction. Um, they had great great prizes to you know auction off. But such a fun night. It's first class all the way. And um, I think they said that were seven hundred people there last night. So wow. Um, you know it was fun. Matt Moore was there. Mm-hmm. Lots of former you know former players. Um, Teron Rimmers. Ward, Rimmers Mike there, Remmers, right? yeah. Remmers. Um, Gosh, it was, I mean, it was fun. Uh, DJ Alexander, I saw tons of these guys. So for me, it's fun just, A, to see all of our you know, listeners and subscribers, um, but also fun to, to reconnect with some of these guys um, that I've covered for, for so long. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, shout out to all the Beaver fans that showed up uh, and showed out as well, because that is a fun event. Kudos to you, Angie, for creating it. It's still going on, so you did a great job. Uh, and had a great idea there. All right, let's let's get into recruiting. Um, before I we go into the names and maybe make people feel way more optimistic, because I think that is fair to show people and talk about some of these kids who we don't know much about for those that don't follow recruiting. All we see from people like me, the perspective is, well, where do we rank? And Oregon State ranks 12th in this conference. That's not necessarily a big surprise, I guess, given who Oregon State is. But what are your feelings of when people, that's what they, they highlight? Oh, great. We're dead last in recruiting. You know, it's, it's interesting because we have, you know, some really good discussions we've talked about on the pod before. And, and the same poster who posted about the, the spending, you know, and we've talked about that in the fall about Oregon State's percentage of athletic budget going to uh, football. He actually did a, a, went way back and did rankings the year of transitions, coaching transitions. And every time the Beavers have gone through a coaching transition that very first year, they're in the 60s and last in the Pac-12. So um, it's not like it's out of out of the ordinary by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, with two signing days, it really, um, you know, like 
Jonathan Smith talked about last night, it was that he was hired and he had basically two and a half to three weeks to not only try to salvage the commits that were already committed to Gary Anderson's staff and figure out which ones they wanted to keep and, and how they wanted to go about that, work on hiring a staff. And then like over that Christmas break, he worked on, and you know, he said his goal then was to have about half the class filled, which Mm -hmm. they did. And then, you know, spend that Christmas break finishing up his staff and watching all the film and, and seeing what they had and really kind of diving in there and figuring out what the needs were. And then those last, um, you know, three weeks finishing out the class. So, um, when you consider that he got, I think it was eight commitments in that last two weeks, it was big. And, you know, I know people, there's a lot of the stargazers out there. This is the first time that, that since I've been doing this, and that's been 12 years, that Oregon State does not have any two stars on the on the signing list. So um, it is a straight-across three-star class. Um, but some of these kids, it, it's really interesting what was happening there at the 11th hour. And, you know, I'll jump right in and talk to Jamar Jefferson, running back from Harbor City Narbonne High School down in Los Angeles. That kid committed two weeks ago. Oregon State, when, when he committed, they basically said, we're in with you. We're done. You know, we've, we've got Case Rogers already committed. You know, we already have B.J. Baylor, Calvin Tyler, and AP on the, on the roster. You're in. You're a guy. We're done. They, you know, T, uh, Tayshawn Henry was another commit they were looking at, but um, they made the commitment to him because USC started inquiring about him. Tuesday night, so two nights ago, the night before signing day, Jermar picked up offers from USC, Tennessee, and Arkansas. So, you know, these aren't players that nobody wanted. And I, that narrative has been out there. I could go down the list here. I, I t- spoke to a couple coaches last night at the event and to hear these stories. And, man, those guys got no sleep mm-hmm. trying to stay up and, and keep up to, to date with that. But, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a smart class. It's, um, you know, and at the end of the day, what's interesting is Jonathan Smith made this point to talk about he wants guys that want to be at Oregon State. There was no begging of guys. You know, if, if they kind of hemmed and hawed and wanted to take more visits, Oregon State moved on. And um, it was, you know, you're either with us or you're not. We can't sit around and wait for you. And uh, they got guys that want to be here. There's athleticism. And uh, I, I think it's a good starting point to build off of down the road. All right, well, that's great stuff to hear. Um, I, I think the one that sticks out is something that you mentioned early. The Jamar Jefferson stuff, by the way, is... I had heard rumblings about maybe people liking him more than his ranking would lead you to believe. And to hear you tell me that USC, Tennessee, and Arkansas were jumping in really late two days before the day, uh, I think that leaves you that much more encouraged that, hey, that's he's that kind of level talent. He's not some borderline pa- power five player. He is a legit, this kid could be the real deal if he's given the right circumstances, coaching, and everything else. But the one thing I wanted to ask you that jumps out to me is because if you look online, uh, minus like the preferred walk-ons, and you see nothing but three stars, when was the last class, to your knowledge, if ever, they've had a class with no legit like two stars, where it's been three stars and nothing else? I, I've never seen it. So I mean, if you're at if you're at twenty four seven or Beaver Blitz, yeah, you will see Blitz two, right two now. stars at the very bottom: uh-huh. John Elliott and Griffin Corican. Those were our preferred walk-ons. So if you actually click on their bio, you'll see that they're preferred walk-ons. Okay. So um, as far as signing class, this is the first time in at least the twelve years I've been doing it that um, I have not seen a two-star Scully player. So you never saw that under Mike. You never. We never. Obviously, we didn't see that under Gary, but. No. And and then I'm just looking, Connor Warwick is another walk-on. He's actually a three-star. Um, so, yeah, this class, 
I never have seen a class without a two-star. Ah, that's crazy. The other, the other striking thing about this class, uh-huh. there's one mission kid, Samisi Saluni, mm-hmm. is, will be taking his LDS mission, but he is the only one um, out of the group, and I do not see any academic issues with this class. Which is great. So, I mean, that's the other thing. You know, you've seen Oregon State in the past under both Anderson and Riley sign four stars, but they're usually, the reason they're still on the board and not a USC or, you know, a, one of those schools is because of academics. And how many times have we seen Oregon State sign some of these high-level guys that everybody gets excited about on mm-hmm. signing day only to have them not be able to show up in August? So um, I seriously pop to bottom. I mean, this is – you you have Jack, uh, Jack Coletto and um, Jeremy Reichner, who are both mechanical engineering students. They're smart kids, and they're um, – you know, I don't see any academic – and I, I asked some folks yesterday and, and really – Pretty solid group academically. I think reasonable Oregon State fan would say, well, okay, we're 12th in the conference, but given the time frame for Jonathan Smith taking over, assembling a staff, and then recruiting, this this is actually not a bad class. Now, again, I know it doesn't look sexy from the outside looking in, 12th, 68th, 69th, whatever it ended up being as a final ranking in the country, but perspective would tell you when you have nothing but three stars – Compare that to the likes of Arizona's or Washington State's or another middle-of-the-road Pac-12 school, and you would probably say, and look in their class, two-star. Oh, they got multiple two-stars, well, multiple two-stars. Well, and when you look at, and you look at the ratings, right? So right. each of these, these kids have a rating um, with a score. They're really not far off Like no. when you look at the overall score. The other thing, you know, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat this because this class, it, it's solid, but what I see in this class is a group of character guys. Yeah. Um, these are the guys that Jonathan wants to, you know, he's going to build this, you know, next year. The, the goal is always, right, to recruit better players than you have. That's always the goal. So this, yeah, I mean, he has had to build an entire recruiting class and hire a staff and deal with the mess that ha- was left behind all in about a, you know, what, six-week span, eight-week span? Yeah. See, and so it, oh, they're character guys. That These are the guys that, like, three, four years are going to be your seniors, and you need them to still be, you know, bought in, loving the university, leadership. loving the program. Yeah. Leadership. Exactly. exactly. Which is something we obviously, and I use the proverbial we as in if I'm a player, but it's obviously something the program was lacking in, was leadership, direction uh, from the coaching staff down to the players. You know, the sugarcoating thing is funny. I, I can totally get you listen to the podcast. It's the first one you listen to and you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, here we go, telling me this these players are amazing. I don't think you're sugarcoating. I don't think on this podcast we sugarcoat. When they played like crap last year, I had no problem calling them out, yeah. questioning the coaching staff, decisions, etc. Um, I just think it's a reality of what you mentioned, leadership, uh, consistency, guys who are generally good college football players establishing your culture and your program. Now, when we get to next year's recruiting class, when we talk it, about what they did last uh, this pat this next season and what they're doing going into next year, I'm going to look at the recruiting class and we'll go, okay, where does this stack up? This is really your first big monster year of you had a whole year, you had everything to play off of with the season. What did you get? And if they come up short in some regards, we will be sitting here a year from now and talking about how what happened there, why didn't they miss this, why didn't they get that. I have no problem doing that, but based on everything the timeline gave us, I think we have no choice but to look at that right now and say exactly what you're saying. Character guys, 
academic football players that are good for your team, team players, and culture. And that's, you know, that's what he had to do. And that's, that's just it. I, I've, I've said all along that let me grade this cl- or Jonathan's recruiting next year. And let me see what he can do after a year, a full year of knowing what he has, knowing what he needs. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 but, you know, just as annoying as someone that's trying to, you know, make it all sunshine and unicorns are the people that are totally uninformed with what's going on at Oregon State and want to, you know, the national pundits, the regional pundits that yeah. want to say that, oh, it's, it's 12th, Beavers are bad. Mm-hmm. Beavers, you know, got the 12th ranked recruiting class because they really don't follow it every single day and know kind of what has been going on and what, what is needed. Okay, so let's um, let's get into the players now. So you talk about the recruiting class and where it stacks up. You talked about Jamar Jefferson. Uh, I'm stoked. I can't wait to see the kid in camp. 5'10", 188 is pretty good size. And we'll see what he's going to be able to do in year one. Maybe he red shirts. Maybe he comes in there right away. Let's. Um, we talked about the early enrollees. The, the yeah, we I, talked about those guys. We talked about the Smalls, the Hodgins, the Wilson. Let's uh, let's just go down in the order in which Blitz has it. So let's go from Jefferson. Let's go down to Joshua Gray, offensive tackle, six four two forty five. What are they saying about him uh, and his size at two forty five? You know, he's you know really the second ranked player in this class. Josh Gray is. Um, he, he, this is another kid that kind of blew up. He's, he's undersized, right? He's 245, but he's super athletic. And, and you watch his film, and he's running downfield and, and making blocks downfield and faster than some of his wide receivers at, at that size. So he's, he's big. He's physical. You put some weight on him, and, um, you know, they hope to keep that athleticism with him. He really kind of blossomed. Greg Biggins, I, I spoke to him about him, and he loved him. He couldn't believe that more programs weren't in on him early. Um, again, ASU came in on him, Washington State came in on him, Arizona came in on him. So um, honestly, when you look at the offensive linemen, I, I think you look at the coach, and Jim Mahalachek is so well-respected as both a recruiter and a coach. Um, I think as a Beaver fan, you have to just accept what he's, what he's bringing in and say, wow, this kid's going to be okay. So um, going down, then you have Matthew Tago. He was a four-star at one point. He was a UCLA commit. When Chip Kelly came in and changed defenses, though, he decommitted. And um, just one of these overall athletes. So he, Oregon State likes him as a linebacker. And uh, he played quarterback for his high school as well. So he, he knows offenses. He can read an offense because he's played the position. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a, a real hard-hitting, um, smart, smart player. Let me ask you real quick before we go down any further uh, on Josh Gray, because I believe the Beavers are bringing seven on offense back and eight on defense. But I might, I might have switched those numbers. Uh, I'm just going on top of my head. Do you think Josh Gray has a chance to start right away? I, you know, I don't know yet. I, I need to see what the numbers look like as far as scholarship because with his size, it'll be interesting to see if he comes in in, in June with the regular class or if they gray shirt him to put on more weight. Yeah, yeah, two forty five kind of, is a little down there. Yeah, he he needs to add some some bulk there. But like I said, watching his film, it was really impressive what okay, he could do. Okay, let me ask you about Matthew Tago. You mentioned he was a four star. He's a three. Uh, I've may have asked you this in the past, whether on my radio show or here on the pod. Why do kids drop like that? Why does he go from four-star talent and more people wanting him down to a three where the the amount of programs reaching out or feeling like they got to jump in on the kid, it, it dwindles down a little bit? Why did he go from a four th- to a three? 
you know, all the all the services, whether it's twenty four seven, rivals, ESPN, they they do evaluations throughout the year, and and so an initial ranking might come out when they're juniors. Then you they get reevaluated after summer camps. They get reevaluated again midway through the season, and then after the season, and then they do their final evaluations after all the the All Star games, the Army game, the Under Armour game. So um, and it changes, right? I mean, things kids go up, kids go down. Really, it's it's a numbers numbers thing because when you're when you're looking at number or like a five star for example is really like your top 23 to 28 players for most for you know so it's a numbers game you you don't want 80 five stars because it really waters it down then you go to the four stars and it's a number you know in the top like 150 so um you know obviously however it shook out the the evaluators felt there were other players that you know perform better mm-hmm. at different, you know, so, but again, when you're looking at a three star 8.5 and a four star 8.7, it's so minute a lot of times how, you know, and a lot of times it comes down to size. All right. Jake Ducard is the next one. Lake Oswego. Uh, he comes in six two one eighty. What do you think about him? You know, he signed in, in December. He was one of the early signing signing period guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a development guy. I, I, he, I don't see him in the mix coming in, you know, to start in 2018. But great athlete. You know, originally I think he was being recruited to play baseball and play, like, wide receiver or safety for Oregon State. Then he has decided to focus solely on football so that he can be a quarterback. So, um, you know, good fundamentals. It's just he needs some polishing. Jake Levengood from Vacaville, California. I know some kids down in Vacaville. They're probably, actually, they're probably his age now because I knew him back in college when I did this mentorship program. Uh, from Vacaville, California, 6'4", 260, offensive guard. Yeah, this is one that Coach Mahalachek loved uh, when he came on board. He's, again, an early signing period guy, and um, he's a heavyweight wrestler and a, and a champion level at that. So yeah, baby. you always like when your offensive linemen are good wrestlers, it, it translates well. Okay. Good to know. And you know what? Mahalachek is more and more. I hear about him. Um, and I, what I hear a lot is through you and, you know, a couple people down there tell me what they think of him thus far. And it's very early. It leaves me encouraged at the development of, of some of these players. And that is where, I think everybody can agree Gary Anderson truly lacked was in developing the players, having these players, getting them ready. Like what was his big thing last year? It was like together we squatted an extra thousand pounds and everybody would go, what does that mean though? And he would, exactly. he would no, never exactly. have an answer for that. He'd go, well, I'm not really sure, but like, okay, then why is that? But yeah, You had point? defensive linemen that weren't in condition to play. Yes, Exactly. Um, so. Okay, so we have uh, Jake Levengood from Vacaville. Let's go to the the JC kid, the uh, the somewhat local kid from Camas, Jake Coletto, the quarterback at Arizona Western College, 6'3", 220 as a quarterback. Pretty good measurables there. Um, are we kind of thinking this is post-Jake Luton, the next quarterback? I, I do. I, I do think, and I think he gives a run for this year, to be completely 100% honest. Okay. So, um, he'll be in in spring. He's, he's one of the other mechanical engineer majors. He's smart. He, you know, one of the things that Brian Lindgren, the offensive coordinator, wants is, and the first thing he's looking for is accuracy, and Coletto has that. Um, good size. He's, you know, the scouting report on him is he's really, he's thick through his lower half, so, you know, he can run. He's sturdy. And, 
he's a winner. I mean, he went to Camas 13 and 0. So, um, you know, he he ended up going the JUCO route because he wasn't highly recruited, but uh Vandy and Oregon State were his two top programs and, you know, he he's coming home. Yeah, he's the interesting one I think to watch not only for what you mentioned of competing for maybe even the starting gig this year, but also just going the JC route after playing for a dominant program like Kansas and winning state and not having much interest. Maybe he was able to prove some people wrong or gets an opportunity to prove people wrong uh, after going through the J.C. route. You mentioned Reichner already, so let's move on from him. Uh, how about Francois from Cathedral, L.A., 6'2", 210, outside linebacker? Yeah, he was another December signee. Um, another one that, if you remember from last year, you had um, Jeffrey Manning and Eric Flemings that came from Cathedral. Um, just He's in that linebacker, rangy length. He adds length and speed to the linebackers. Um, it's something Tibis, Coach Tibisar really is, is emphasizing, is that ability to rush from the linebacker position. And, and Craig, I, I see him being a redshirt candidate, but he uh, will be a player to, to watch you know, years to come. Okay, um, let's go McCartan. John McCartan from San, uh, Santa Margarita Catholic, and all I can think about is Drew Barrymore eating humans. Uh, <laughs> he comes from there, tight end 6'5", 225, good size. Uh, what are people, what were they saying about him going during, uh, through the recruiting process? Is this one of those kind of an extra offensive lineman, or is this a real playmaker we could potentially be looking at? Actually, he will be a, a linebacker for Oregon State. Okay, so Oregon State okay. likes him as a linebacker. Right. Uh, this is our recruiting analyst, Adam Nicholson. This is his player that he is most excited to see on the field. Um, he is very intelligent. He knows. I mean, he seems to be in the right position at the right time. Um, this was another player that Oregon State went head to head with Vandy and won. So, um, you know, he had several offers: Washington State, Cal. Cal did not offer. I take that back. Um, but. Uh, Vandy and Oregon State were kind of his, and Washington State were the, the final three there. And just a, a heady player, again, plays offense and defense, so he knows the offensive scheme. But I, I watching his film, too, you know, he's a tight end. So imagine a big, you know, six four six five tight end with just length, yeah, big length. So um, really excited to see him, him on the field. Okay. Um, this one, I actually want to pass this along as we're going down the recruiting class for Oregon State. Uh, here on the damn podcast, we have your, or well, not your former, I think he still works with you guys, Marcus Greaves, former player for Oregon State. He's actually interning on my radio show right now at 1080 The Fan. And, That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic. I love working with him. Um, we were talking. He is. He's he's one of our analysts. So yeah, he is a Blitz staffer and spent. he went to the dinner with us last night. That's right. He was talking about that. Um, we talked about the recruiting class and he asked me some questions. I don't really know yet. I got to talk to Angie on the pod today. He mentioned one name that he really likes and one to watch is because he thinks this kid can be dynamic for them on offense and be kind of a playmaker that they maybe haven't really had uh, for a long time. And that's Josiah Irish, the six foot, 182 pound kid from Snoqualmie, Washington. Um, he really likes him, thinks the film shows a really talented player that can be dynamic in sort of the way. DeAnthony Thomas was for Oregon. Again, I know he's not a five-star player like DeAnthony, but he thinks he has the kind of ability to be a playmaker that way. So wh- yeah, yeah, definitely. I know. I know Marcus is super high on him, and Marcus, you know, if you're not a member at Blitz right now, this is the time because Marcus now is 
watching all the film and he's breaking down everything. So um, we are starting our write-ups tomorrow with all of the film studies. So check that out. But that is one of his favorites, and he's fast. You know, you watch his film, and he can. He can take the, the top end off the defense. And um, really, I haven't seen an Oregon State receiver with this much speed in a while. I mean, he has that kind of speed um, to really be a, a, a difference maker. And, you know, talking about uh, DeAnthony Thomas, a five-star, really – the biggest difference in a three and a five star, like at a position like like wide receiver, is size right now, mm-hmm. size and speed. So um, Josiah is not totally small, but yet he doesn't have maybe that six three body type, but um, we, definitely could we, fit in well in Oregon State system. Are we looking at maybe James Rogers type speed with this kid when he first yes. came in? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that that I mean that leaves me pretty excited. I don't know. You know, Different build, you know. He's he's a little taller, lengthier sure. than than James, but yeah, for sure, it's, it's definitely has has that that speed. I think the fascinating part too is going to be with Jonathan Smith and his coaching staff, uh, who they choose to redshirt and who they want to try to plug in right away. Like all of that stuff is uh, it is interesting, and I believe it's this year. Remember the redshirt rule got changed. Yeah, right. Yeah, it got changed. So you can play four um, games something, and then you something can redshirt. Interesting. I, I think the listeners will will kind of get a kick out of. So I, I did get to talk to Coach Riley yes last night before the event, and we were talking, and I, I he's so happy, right? He is just basically giddy. He looks rested. I mean, all this pressure is off him now. He can just be an assistant coach. And I asked him about Coach Lindgren because I don't know a lot about him. And um, yeah, I said, "What do you think of Brian Lindgren?" And he goes. He's, I love his offense. He goes, when I was at Nebraska, I would watch Colorado game film for fun because they do some real creative things. So, um, And Lindgren get, did confirm that he will be calling plays this year. So um, that's, you know, at least that's off the table. Any questions of, is Jonathan calling them? Is Coach Riley going to call him? Mm-hmm. It will be Brian Lindgren. All right, so. there we go. Uh, recommendation from one of the best coaches in Oregon State history. Uh, let's move on. Bradley Bickler from Southridge, local kid, 6'7", 240. You know, this is one of the more under-recruited uh, guys, and, and a lot of that comes from, A, he goes to Southridge. Um, it's not like a, a recruiting hotbed, but he also had was forced to play quarterback this year. So, um, you know, he didn't get time at to be spotlighted at a position that really would be his next level um, in college. So he needs to put on some weight, but he is that, um, you know, big. He reminds me, if, if Beaver fans remember, um, Joel Robinette. He was he played as a true freshman under Gary Anderson's first season before transferring uh, home to San Diego State. But similar build, he's long, you know, six seven with a huge wingspan, and uh, will be you know kind of that big mauling defensive end in in the system. Okay, Isaiah Tufaga. I've heard great things about him from Honolulu. Six foot safety, one ninety nine. He is probably my one of my favorites on defense. You watch this kid's film. He again signed in December. Um, just a baller. I mean, the kid can just flat out hit people. He plays at St. Louis, which is one of the top schools in in Honolulu. That's the Marcus um, Mariota High School. Marcus Mariota, yep. Yeah. So um, just a, it's a private school, great football, um, and yeah, I love, love this kid. Okay, so that's like an exciting one to look at. I can't remember if we've talked about uh, Keyshawn Dawkins from West Lynn, um, but for people that follow recruiting, you've known about him uh, locally, tight end 66240. And Oregon State, first he was going to be an offensive lineman uh, when he was being recruited, and last night they confirmed he'll be a de- defensive lineman. So okay. moving him on the other side of the ball, um, you know, and talking to people that, you know, have watched a lot of West Lynn, they were actually surprised when they offered him, um, that Oregon State offered him when it was as a tight end because he doesn't have speed. But um, when, when you talk defensive lineman, 
he, development kid. He's he's one, but gosh, with that size and athleticism, put some weight on him and make him a you know a defensive lineman. Okay, at Oregon State sees some potential there. That's good size too, six six. Uh, let's go to Case Rogers, athlete out of Lamar, Houston, Texas. Uh, we're familiar, obviously, with some Texas players here in the Beaver State. 5'11", 180. How are we feeling about uh, Case Rogers? And I have to ask the generic cliche media question. Yes, yes, because everybody asks. Have you had, well, it may not be the exact one you've gotten, but have you had a chance to ask James Rogers what he thinks about Case Rogers? I have not. I have not. I talked to James twice last night, but no, um, I usually keep getting, because if you remember James Rogers, but it's spelled R-O-D mm-hmm. and Case Rogers, James and Quiz went to Lamar Consolidated High School, yeah. and this is just Lamar. Um, totally different schools, not related, but um, he remind, you know, he's, he's, right now he's a running back for Oregon State, but he's that type of player that could be a slot. Um, he's fast. He's athletic. Put, you know, Fly sweep, I envision with this kid. So, um, yeah, and maybe another Rogers doing fly sweep. Okay, which is not a bad thing for us. Ronnie Audette from Elk River, uh, senior from uh, Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. I, MN. I always think Montana for some reason. Minnesota offensive tackle, six three, three ten. Again, if I say any of these names wrong, please. No, jump you're in good. This, this one. So one of our posters. If you're on Beaver Blitz. You'll be familiar with OOMC Beaver. He knows his stuff and uh, knows his football, and he loves this kid. Loves, loves, love it, loves him. So he plays both sides. Oregon State is recruiting him as a D tackle. They were fighting off Missouri, and uh, Wisconsin was talking to him, and that's that's where this relationship actually started. Was Coach Tibisar was familiar with him, so um, he was all set, committed to North Dakota, and then. Wisconsin kind of talked to him a little bit, and I, I don't know if it was an academic thing with him or if Wisconsin just already had guys, you know, lined up. But watch his film. He plays in the snow, and he pancakes everyone he sees. Like, <laughs> double-team, pancake. I mean, it, I am flat-out honest. Watching offensive line film is and defensive line film is uh-huh. tough. This guy makes you sit up and take notice because he's just, like, throwing people around like uh, the blind side. Just <laughs> Picking him up and toss him around. Seriously. So, we, so we've got White Michael Orr coming. Film, we got White Michael Orr coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not going that far yet. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this, yeah. He was a man child, and the film is like more than entertaining. Okay, so that's good news to hear. Hopefully, we can uh, get him going on the offensive line. All right, uh, the next one I want to go with is Simasi Saluni from Northgate Walnut Creek, uh, Walnut Creek, California. Uh, linebacker, six four two zero five. That's really solid size. Yeah, and he is the one uh, prospect that will be taking his LDS mission. So That's right. uh, Oregon State won't see him for a few years. What but... are we thinking about after the LDS mission? I know it's not a given, but are we feeling good about the fact that we'll see him, or is there a chance here they potentially lose him? You know, it happens all the time. I mean, uh, Simi Moala was a, a player that Gary Anderson signed, uh, what, two years ago, two and a half years, three years ago, and uh, just returned from his mission. And I actually thought he might go BYU um, but he did sign with Utah. It goes both ways, though. I honestly don't know if Oregon State was in contact with him, oh, okay. to be completely honest. So um, you don't know. I do know um, one signee from Anderson's first year, Riley Sharp. He was a tight end and linebacker, is on his mission. I've been in touch with the family. Oregon State is recruiting him, and he gets back from his mission, I believe, July 5th, and we expect him on campus as a gray shirt, um, so January of 2019. 
Okay. Uh, and he is dialed in. He's had other programs, you know, inquiring, but he is dialed in to be a beaver. So um, that's so you, you lose Samisi, but you gain Riley Sharp. Okay. Uh, Connor Warwick. Timberline, Lacey Washington, 64240. That's that's a walk-on. That's one of the preferred walk-ons that is showing up on our list, along with Sean Elliott and Griffin Corican. Um, I don't know a ton about Connor, okay. except that Timberline is a really solid program. Yep. So Sean Elliott's from Lake Oswego. Oregonians know that's you know, Steve Corey, solid coach team. And then Griffin Corican, another offensive lineman, is from Seattle O'Day. Okay. Private school up there, also really good. Really good so school. So the last signee um, that we could talk about is Jaden Robinson. He was visited for the first time this past weekend. He's a cornerback, and it was what, originally the Beavers weren't going to take a corner in this, this second signing period, but uh, coaches went up to see him play basketball, and they loved his length. They loved his athleticism. He's only played football for three years and um, plays, you know, the, this was the first year that Auburn Riverside up in Auburn, Washington, was, you know, had a, had a decent year. So it's a smaller league. It's a 4A school up there. Um, Jaden is, well, uh, Brandon Huffman, our, our director of recruiting at 24-7, yeah, one of the best. knows Jaden really well. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I totally trust what, what Huffman's analysis is on these guys. And, and he told me, um, so, so Jaden got an offer on his visit. He committed on Monday. And nicest kid, seriously. I've spoken to him, a great young man. So excited to be a part of this program. And Brandon Huffman's comment to me was, the kid is going to be a baller. He reminds me of Rashad Reynolds. And I, I will call it now, he will be a multi-year starter for you. Wow. So, yeah. For the lowest rated recruit on the on the radar right here or on the signing list, that's those are pretty big shoes to fill. Those are Rashad huge Reynolds. shoes to fill, yeah. Um, okay. Wow. Okay, so we went through literally every recruit. Uh, we did. Ho- hopefully that was a good enough breakdown. Angie is probably out of breath right now, again, running on fumes, but um, that's why you're one of the best because you're willing to just fight through that. Um <laughs> Let's do let's do some damn questions. I I have one more let's thing that I, I want to bring up with you, but I want to do it after damn questions. So let's uh, okay. get to some damn questions. Thank you everybody for doing the hashtag damn questions. Uh, Angie put that tweet out. Uh, I'll start with R. Daymeyer. I hope I said okay. that right. If I didn't, I'm an idiot. Don't take it personal. Uh, somebody says still feel that university buy-in is lacking. To you, do you get this feeling without OSU increasing amount spent on football that not much will change? Do you see any tangible commitment by administration or is everyone still waiting for TV money that likely won't show up? Um, to which I will I will let Angie go first, but I will say this is why I didn't have a podcast last week. We were tr- I'm trying right now. I'm getting in and trying to get Scott Barnes on uh, to figure out a time for Angie to come in so we can talk with Scott Barnes. And this is obviously going to be probably the biggest topic for us. Yes, and I think it's going to be a huge one. What I can tell you from talking to coaches and talk, hearing from Jonathan last night, um, Jonathan was very complimentary of the administration, which, I mean, he's going to be, but um, talked about the fact I know that they had the private jets at their disposal for as much as they needed and wanted during recruiting. And he has also, I guess, been completely open to all of the hires that Jonathan has wanted to make and in getting the coaches he wanted, um, getting James Rogers on staff, getting some of the, the positions that he wanted to create. And he said that Scott Barnes has been completely on board. So there's been no issues with getting the money, mm-hmm. all of that. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see. 
Is there something more, I mean, outside of Jonathan Smith and the coaching staff or people saying, yeah, Scott Barnes is supportive. Is I think his point of, is there something else tangible that we can point to to say, this is evidence that they're doing. You know, Jonathan Smith saying that is great, but that's also the guy that pays him and hired him. Exactly. Is there exactly. something else we can see from Barnes? This is probably a good question for the man himself, but what's evidence that shows to the fans absolutely we're more committed than we were by looking at blank? Well, I know that they are in the process of their whole – their feasibility. they finished their feasibility study, and they're, I believe this month they are going to be releasing their, their whole strategic plan. So I think that will answer a lot of uh, a lot of questions. Okay, good question there. Um, uh, next one is from Chris, who said, "Is there any under recruited walk ons that you think that can contribute right away?" We probably answered that question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you know about the new strength and conditioning coach? I think he is important moving forward, especially since Smith's staff is going after smaller offensive linemen. I don't know if they're smaller. I mean, well, I guess they're. I a think he's seen a couple of the weight wise. Yeah, the weight one. Um, what I can say is, so Amy, our Amy Schwartz, our writer, um, who's down there, and she covers every practice, every fall camp. She's been going to basketball. She walked out of basketball practice the other day and said they were doing one of their conditioning drills, and she said it sounded like a drill sergeant. She said, "I have not seen a football conditioning look so intense ever." And the guys were doing sprints. She's like there will be no excuse. They will all be in shape this year. So it, it's going to be very Chris Peterson-esque. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, yeah, again, I just go back to the Gary Anderson days of like, oh, we're getting stronger and we're we're squatting more weight. And Okay, I, I don't know what yeah. that means, yeah. but it ended up meaning absolutely nothing. So maybe conditioning is the way to go. And this is part of the Jonathan Smith stuff that I'm interested in is what is he going to take away from Chris Peterson that he wants to apply at this program because he thought it worked so well for Chris Peterson. If conditioning is a big one, then great. I'm all in. Let's uh, let's hope that it does pay off. This one is from F- uh, SC Beaver at Just Beavit. He says, uh, or they say, will OSU ever be able to compete with UO in recruiting? What do you feel are OSU's biggest uh, big selling points? Uh, what differentiates? It's a totally different type of kid, right? I mean, you got some flack for this. We didn't talk about I did, this. You got I did. a lot of flack. In fact, I had friends. And, and wait, did I ever did I ever mention any school in particular with that? No, I was just bringing no. up Brandon Cooks. I think people the way and obviously Duck fan got the most upset by that. I think it was because it boiled down to a kid in uh, uh, cr- is it Crocker? Um, Isaiah Crocker. Crocker, who was deciding between the two, and when you tweeted it, I think Duck fan instantly filled in okay this is a pot shot at Oregon and you know it's it's fandom so people are going to get upset but I'd seen people had, I'd missed that tweet and I had, I had friends of friends finding ways to text me that I have phone numbers from hey why don't you talk to your podcast partner hey what's this about hey is she a hater but it's, okay but no but but honestly it's it's a totally different say I mean for God's sake, they have a throne in their locker room or whatever, their haberdashery room. I mean, they are appealing to a different type of student-athlete yeah. who buys into different helmets every game. And, and I'm not knocking it, right? That's their thing. That's their deal. That's what they do. But it's a, you're asking, the SC Beavers asking, you know, 
how you differentiate that. And Oregon State is like the anti version of that, right? I mean, it's family down, you know, it's, it's family barbecues at the coaches' houses. It's, um, you know, working hard. It's, it's not that they don't, I'm not, I'm not, see now I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm not <laughs> saying that at all, but it's a different, yeah. it's a totally different, I mean, you, you talk about facilities and there's not really a program in the country right. that can compete with them at facilities. Right. No doubt. But, and I, and I wasn't meaning it as like a, that, you know, Isaiah Crocker was not mature. Yeah. But it does take, I mean, you look at even Jamar Jefferson. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, 90% of kids like in LA grew up USC fans or UCLA fans. And if that school comes in after them, even in the 11th hour, they are going to say, that's my dream school. That's where I'm going. Can I, okay. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. Okay. Because it's funny that you and I have both experienced this in the last five or six months. Uh-huh. I went through the thing that I tweeted, and we did a whole pod on that, right? And uh-huh. I believe the takeaway was I probably could have worded it better or different. Do yes. you think you yes. could have done that? Yeah. I, Just I think out of curiosity. Fans, yeah, I mean, the bling, I think, is where they... But it, it made me laugh because I was like, whoa, somebody's self-absorbed that they automatically think I'm talking about them. <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised I know, when I, I saw people, the tweet I mean, and then they were like, go check the mentions. I was like, I don't really need to because I know what's going to be. And yeah, then I, I mean, checked it, it anyway. And, and it's one of those things that like, I, I wanted to like, I wanted to like respond to a few of them. Some of them were just dumb. Right, you know? right. And I wanted to respond to some of them, but I'm like, but what? That does nothing because then it's just going to pile on more. You're so never, you're never I going like, to. I can't. You're never it's like talking agree. to a, a wall, right? right? You're, it, I mean, it's talking polit. It's a it's someone on the left or someone on the right talking to somebody yes. on the opposite side. You're never going to break through with reason or agreement or, hey, oh, that's okay. Have a good day anyway. It's f you, screw that. You took a shot at my team, and I don't care what your reasons or what your explanation is for what your team yeah, was no, supposed to be. Yeah, no, they wouldn't have listened. Right? So they I wouldn't just, have listened. I dropped it. You know, I was like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we. I knew. For, I mean, we knew. That night, I, yeah. I, there's a lot I could probably say, and I'm not going to say it right now. But um, no, I, I, and I'm not saying one's better than the other because these young men and their families, they all, um, different things stand out to them, right? And the recruiting front. Right. Some, some having that is important, right? Some, they love the idea of having, you know, uniforms and swag and whatever, I, whatever those youngsters are saying these days, you know, I mean... I got somebody yeah, that told me I was two eighties because I said bling. I was like, oh my god, really? We Are you um, we we talked a little bit on the phone the day I tweeted that, and I was I saw the reaction, and I'm like, oh, okay. And we talked a little on the phone, and and I I can't remember if it was you or I said it, but here was the beauty of that tweet, Angie. Even if people would say that was a quote unquote bad moment, you know what's funny? You wake up the next day. Nobody gives two S's no. about a tweet. You forget about it instantaneously. Some people will forget Angie Machado. I don't like her. Right. You'll have three or four of those people. And I have, you know, to be fair for me, I have people that still don't like me and they never will. And that's fine for whatever the reason is. But for the most part, even people that didn't like that, it's like you move on and it's okay, whatever. You know, nobody's perfect. But it's Exactly. I mean, that's the point. It's that's, Twitter. That's my thing. It's is, Twitter. It's Twitter. And you're supposed to, it, I, I'm not here just to, you know, it's my opinion or my, I, you know, I'm not here. And 
at the end of the day, my job, I cover Oregon State. I spend 365 days a year covering Oregon State. I can talk Oregon State football, recruiting, sports all day long. I don't focus on the other programs. So my audience is, for the most part, they're Beaver fans. You, you you talk to your audience. My audience is Oregon State fans. Yeah, I'm not I'm not pandering for Duck fans. No, they don't for like sure. me. They're not gonna, going to like me. Um, yeah. So it, it was funny though. I mean, because it was like I said, I, I started looking at them like, and I, I see how they took it. But I was like, wow, that's pretty myopic to just automatically think that. Um, yeah, I'm talking about you. Um, okay, so good stuff. I'm glad we got to talk about that. I forgot to do, uh, bring that up. I want to answer this question real quick. You aren't. This is just a fact. You're never going to compete with them. You, no, you, you can't. No, you, you may have a kid. You may have three kids once in a while that it boils down. And, hey, they choose the offense. They choose uh, Oregon State. That may happen. But for the most part, like, of the totality of recruiting with these two programs as they currently are, no. Uh, and I don't mean to say that to be a bummer, Brandon, or anything, but... It's just they're they have more to offer, and some kids will say and do what Angie's saying of not caring about that. But you'll get other kids that when they get on their visit, they see a, a wall of Jordan shoes custom to Oregon, instantly recruit. Oh, I'm in. I'm I'm good. Yeah, I mean all those pairs. I'm in. And and honestly, uh, you know, another point that was you know kind of has been glazed over is that both schools had coaching changes, but Oregon was able to retain several of their coaches. Right. Oregon State was not. Right. So, um, you know, there was relationships built with several of those coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped. You know, the position coach was the same. Uh, Keith Hayward, I know, was very instrumental in that recruiting. Um, you know, Mike, Mike Johnson. So, Cristobal is, is still there. So, those relationships had been way more longstanding. Absolutely. But I will say, and it, it, that the part that stings is the fact that Isaiah Crocker had been a silent commit to Oregon State for probably about five months. Yeah, yeah, that one. uh, I talked about that on my radio show, too, because I'd known that based on uh, the website and and you saying that on the pod of you feeling good. (sighs) That one hurt. Yeah, that one was like, because, you know, you four-star, you're in the running. Yeah, whatever. I don't have an expectation. That one I had an expectation. In fact, I know three Duck fans in my office that we talked about the week prior to him doing that. I brought his name up and I said that because they were bragging about uh, Jalen Hall, and I turned around and I go, "That's no, okay. Oregon State's about to get their four-star wide receiver." And they, oh, they were like, "Oh, really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Isaiah Crocker." And they all were like, "Yeah, some kid I've never heard of." And then they found out he was going on an Oregon visit, and suddenly it flipped to where, "Hey, this Crocker kid, you know?" And I was like, "Oh, now you're in on him." And then of yeah, course they yeah. get him. So it was like, "Damn yeah. it, I didn't need that in my and, life." Yeah, I mean that was last visit. And, you know, it was funny talking to some of the, the national guys at, at 24-7, and, you know, I was asking them Monday what their thoughts were, and the, the both responses I got were, I would have said Oregon State until he take a visit this weekend, yeah. and they can be quite convincing. They can. They know what they're doing, and you know what? Again, this doesn't have to mean, by the way, that you're never going to beat them, compete, et cetera, and I know that, that listener's not suggesting that, but uh, just to answer the question uh, no, I do. I do yeah. not believe you, know you will rec- you compete with them. On so, that. and the, it just actually brings brings up. I mean, it reminds me of Co- Jonathan Smith has been talking. This is like his little tagline: is the the low ego, high output guys. Mm-hmm. There, you know, it's 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 like I said, it's kind of the anti Jordan haberdashery wall. 
<laughs> right. The I kids mean, that honestly, are, yeah, you know? they don't want the kid that's committing for that reason. And, and I'm, yes. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that most of the recruits are. Exactly. I, I just heard stories of some going there and being so overwhelmed by how amazing that stuff is that they do. And some yeah, of those kids it's, work it's, it's and some a, of those kids don't. It's a, it's a something that sets them apart, you know, and they're all feeding them lobster and steak and, yeah. you know, all the facilities are pretty much on par. And then you go to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, he also asked, uh, I keep saying he, it could be a she. They also, by the way, asked uh, just why Beaver Nation should be excited. We kind of addressed that already. Yeah, we talked about that. This one from Daniel at P... I think there's an, yeah, there it is. PT Blazer fan. Who do you foresee being the favorite to stay at quarterback this season? To which we touched on very briefly. Let me. I just think Coletto. My gut right now. Let me hold that question. That's actually what I want to talk about to wrap the pot up. Okay. Great question, Daniel. We'll get to that uh, at the end. This one from Jeff, who is at uh, T E U F E L Hunden twenty four. Uh, what is the story on some of the remaining targets, linemen from Hawaii and New Orleans teammates? Um, okay, so you're, the linemen from Hawaii, um, that was an offer from the previous staff. Oregon State had been in touch with him, but they're full. They don't need any more offensive linemen. Uh, New Orleans teammates, again, this is where Jonathan Smith isn't messing around, right? He was going to, you know, and I... Some people have asked me about, you know, some of these dropped visits at the last minute. Um, is that's going to burn bridges? So there were a couple defensive linemen planning to come and trip to Oregon State this past weekend, and Oregon State filled up. Um, I, I don't think it burns bridges. It's it's being honest, right? I mean, you don't want to bring a kid in, get him excited about your program, and then when the kid wants to come in, say, yeah, sorry, but we don't have room for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Wasted your time. You could have taken your trip to your other offers. So um, it's not, uh, you know, I was asked, I, I don't remember what newspaper or somebody had written about some of the, the guys. Um, there were some names out there from McDonough 35 down in New Orleans. Um, those were all previous staff offers mm-hmm. and were not being recruited. Uh, there was an Arizona Western D tackle. Again, previous staff not being recruited by Oregon State okay. with the new staff. Uh, Daniel did ask a couple questions, so I want to get to this one. Uh, after seeing the class, which position is the biggest weakness heading into next year, in your opinion? Well, I mean, as far as needs, like what they need to get next year, I would say, like, look more toward DBs, just because I didn't focus on DBs this year. Um, I, I think that's what he's asking. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, this one from Ben at B72830SU. Uh, did they find their point guard in this class? Frustrating watching winnable games slip away in the final minutes. <laughs> okay, Ben, <laughs> no point guard yet, <laughs> but we're, we're talking football, Ben. <laughs> well, I think Ben's in basketball mode right now. Ben and is in basketball mode. Look, I, I know we don't do a lot of basketball in this pod. This is kind of primarily football-oriented uh, pod. The basketball thing is a very interesting one to me that maybe at some that point could be a whole nother pod. We talk about road woes and where this program is at and Wayne Tinkle perception and all that. The, the, I will say, Ben, that last week I did reach out to Josh Gershon. He is our West Coast recruiting analyst for basketball at 247. And he just said it's a really down year for, for point guards. So um, that's what Oregon State needs. So. That's very encouraging. Uh, did you do any for the uh, the Lodge? 
Any questions? Yes, okay. I did. Let's, Let let's, me pull those up. Let's shoot a couple real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap the podcast. It is a megapod. Up. This is so a you megapod. You guys asked for it, and so we got a few questions here. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Can someone explain? This is Anon six two one five four eight two. Come on, get your handle fix fixed there, Anon. Don't know who Anon is, but let's see. He okay. says, can or she, they, can someone explain what went on with recruiting of Nakia Jones when he is called the night before leaving for his official visit and told not to come, that we no longer have a spot for you? To me, it seems as though we just burned a bridge with that high school and the head coach. Is there no way around that type of situation? Mm. really isn't. And honestly, I, I'm curious as to, I mean, Nakia Jones was a, a, a great athlete, Wagner, Oklahoma, he watches film. It's it's solid. Wide wide receiver. Oregon State liked him as a linebacker. Um, they're full. There's no room for him. Uh, but he is still unsigned. So that makes that raises red flags. Like academics could be an issue or qualifying. Okay. Just, I don't know the facts with him, but typically that's that's a that's a flag right there. Um, which commits do you think will end up redshirting and who will push for starting time? That's a great question. You, 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 um, you know, I, I see some of those old linemen. I think are going to have to redshirt, put on weight. You know, Josh Gray. Um, I I think so. I know Adam loves John McCartan and thinks he's going to come in and play. Um, I know that Marcus loves Josiah Irish and he as on offense and he likes Jeremy Reichner. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going on Isaiah Tufanga or Hufang, or Tufanga. Yes, Tufaga. Okay. That's my guy All that right. I think could really come in and, and play. Um, and could we get a few names to watch come grad transfer time for transfers? So Oregon State does, by my count, have two spots right now open for grad transfers. And there might be a couple more spots opening up. Um, as I've heard, you have to go to the lodge for this. I'm not giving this away, but there are a couple guys medically retiring that I've been made aware of. So that is in the lodge um, under the tidbits today from signing day. So, um there could be room for two to four grad transfers, but honestly, it's way too premature to talk that. Nobody's going to be talking grad transfers here for at least another month or two. Okay. So, yeah, I don't want to be a tease there, but sometimes I have to keep some stuff in the lodge, and that's sensitive enough that I need to keep that in the lodge. Okay. Um, which, okay, that one we've seen. Uh, Angie, since you talk with a lot of these recruits, maybe you can give us your thoughts. Which coach or coaches do you feel showed to be the best recruiters in this class? Um, that's, see, know, that's, honestly, that's another question I'm glad got brought up. Yeah. You know, it's hard right now because someone like Bur- you know, Burns was out there, Petrie was out there, but they didn't have the earlier part. You know, they were hired during this last couple weeks. Um our recruiter of the year, Adam Nicholson, we did a, a piece yesterday kind of giving out our signing day awards. He chose Jonathan Smith as his recruiter of the year. I would probably go Jim Mahalachek. I think uh, he was able to close on some, you know, good offensive linemen. And uh, Mike Riley, you know, is, it's not, it doesn't seem odd, I guess, but for him to be, he was making inroads, especially in some of the 2019 2020 kids he was they kind of had him out seeing everybody during this recruiting time so um that'll be kind of interesting to watch how that plays out i do think tim tibisar is going to be dynamic on the recruiting trail did he just did he basically with tibisar just not enough time right exactly i mean he because he didn't come in he stayed with wisconsin for the orange bowl and then when he came in um 
you know, a dead period. So he just had those last couple weeks. Okay. But just with his connections, I, I like what they did with the staff, not only with diversity as far as ages and experience levels, but just geography. So, you know, he's more of that Midwest. He has ties, you know, to the Midwest. But then you have Trent Bray, who spent time, you know, Nebraska. But when he was even at Oregon State, he recruited Oklahoma and Texas. So there's some good good connections there. Okay. Um, let's see. I feel like these are all questions only Angie really can answer right now, which... I know, I'm sorry. No, that's what the like Recruiting the Megapod's about. That's what it's about. Um, do you have a sense of how the current players are fitting in with the new coaches and the new culture that Jonathan Smith is creating? And this is from um, T. Woodcock. Great last name. Great last name. Yes. Um, you know what? It's interesting because, like, the strength and conditioning question, we, we've heard that it's hard the other thing we have heard um, from people very well connected to the program is that this staff is setting a bar of high expectations and no favorites. There is um, class checks <laughs> for every class. If you're like even a minute late to class, you get it's a Saturday 6 a.m. conditioning, extra conditioning. And it's not fun, from what I've been told. Wow. Lots of prowler pushes, mm-hmm. bear crawls, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and it's, it doesn't matter if you are at the start of the team or a walk-on or, you know, it's everyone. So, um, but I've also heard the players have liked what they've seen so far, that they like the vision, they like the direction. So, um, you know, it's more and more coming out that I know a lot of players seemed so upset when Coach Anderson left. And I think now that they've had time to process it and meet a new staff, it's it's like, wow, he quit on us. You know, he did. He quit on us. So um, I think they're embracing that, um, you know, a new staff ready to work with them and, and teach them. So that's from the sampling that I've spoken with. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, Ebbs15, what is, what's the biggest change in recruiting style method between the last staff and the new staff? Good questions, guys. I mean, that this is, is a great question. Um. You know, I, Jonathan, it, I, okay, this is, this, I don't mean to bash any staff coach. Um, Gary Anderson and his staff talked a really good game. I mean, Brandon, I mean, did you hear him and you, you came away just being like well, ready that, to run through a wall? That was, that was, there was, the, was no substance yes. behind it. That was the thing. And you know what's funny is you talk to, you give it more time and you talk to people. There were former players that were around it and heard it and instantly had a reaction of, uh, this isn't going to work here or a feel based on meeting and, and knowing them very little of it. This dude's a little, there's something, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but there's something. And they weren't even sure if it felt like a good thing. Like it's funny that that comes out now and it's easy yeah. to do that once somebody is gone, but that is kind of what you get when you talk to, whether that's former players, you talk to people within the administration, in the athletic department, et cetera, there was just something that a lot of people felt and they couldn't quite pinpoint it. And then obviously it ends the way it ends and you're left going, ah, that's what it was right there. Well, and Brandon, you know a lot of the former players too. And yeah. it was interesting now to hear from them, from their side of Anderson wanted to like create this whole new culture, but he wasn't including former players. Right. And he was turning them off and, um, you know, just even going into the locker room pregame, you know, or, you know, before the team even gets there to go see Lightning and Arnold and, and go say hi and see 
people they knew, you know, it wasn't allowed. It wasn't allowed to go up and hang out in the offices. And, um, you know, and then you have Jonathan, who the thing that just kept from every recruit we talked, spoke with, whether they chose Oregon State or not, was just his sincerity and his vision. And I, I know you probably have all heard, you know, him talking about, I've been there. I've gone to class. I've, you know, I, he was a walk-on. And he, you know, rose up and, and led the team. And I, another Brandon Huffman, I, I, like I said, I go back to him a lot because I've talked to him a bunch the past couple of weeks. And, and I uh, admire what he says because he, he sees everybody, right? He sees the whole Pac-12. And he said, the thing with Jonathan is he looks, you know, everybody thinks he's like this vanilla guy who, you know, kind of sits back quiet. He goes, but the thing is, he's so smart that he's basically, you know, while everybody else is underestimating him, he's preparing a plan to just slash you apart. Oh, damn. So there you go. And, you know, he's really high on him. And he said he's going to do it the right way. And he said, you know, you're not going to have any NC2A violations. And it's going to be very Peterson-esque. And that's, you know, I think people will be happy with that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I've heard good things. Um I'm still not at a point where you can really judge. Let's you know the season, more recruiting, et cetera. That time is going to be the best judgment for for judgment for him. But exactly. it's it's nice to hear more and more things. But again, to your original point, we did hear good things, and we felt like we were hearing the right thing uh, from Gary Anderson. I'm not saying John Smith's going to be Gary Anderson 2.0. I, I'm just I'm I'm at a weak point as a fan and media member of like. Just pump the brakes on how you truly feel about somebody until exactly you so get you, a better yeah. feel. You know, let the thing yeah. play out a little more. Yeah. Well, that's you know, I even said to somebody, you know, I was like, well, you know, Jonathan's just not the best talker. You know, he's not the best. He doesn't command this, like on stage. And and somebody was like, okay, but the last one did. And look yeah. where that got you. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, in living rooms, that sincerity and and to see the former players so excited, um, it was. That, I mean, that was cool to see, see to and, see them and to see Jonathan reach out to them and say, hey, I mean, he said last night in front of all these players, come see us, come, come up to the third floor, come to our offices, hang out. I want you to be around. I want to catch up. I, you know, so that's, that's good. Well, what I, what I was going to say was, you know, he may not have that. And we talked about this after his hire, but yeah, he may not have that. No doubt. Is that something you can truly not develop or, or get? Because I'm, oh, exactly. I'm, I'm saying this off of no research or uh, Google search. What was Chris Peterson like in year one as the Boise State head coach? Was he the same Chris Peterson you see now on the Pac-12 Network and on ESPN shows? I would assume not. I would bet you that it's a little more... he's still not some dynamic guy right. that you... But that's my point is he... Yeah, I yeah. bet you he is not... He wasn't as confident or... There wasn't the same feel that you get from him now as a veteran coach that has had success, but I also still don't find him to be particularly that entertaining or running through a wall type speaker. I find him to be coach speak and some somewhat vanilla, but guess what? The dude gets results. So ultimately yeah. that's what's important is how he talks and how he handles with recruiting. Ultimately it, it does not matter if he's very media savvy, that that does not play out in the big picture. It matters if he can talk to recruits, and Recruit if he gets that message out, right? If he can get that message out, that's all I care about. So you know, my t- my takeaway from this is you know, give it time. But my other t- my big takeaway is watch how these guys perform 
just as far as an X's and O's. And I think you're going to see a huge, from everything, everyone I spoke with that have been around, like, both program or both staffs, it's like night and day. They said just the, the, the level of intelligence and the plan they have in place. All right. Well, that's what I want to know, so, the plan. The plan in place, because we clearly know after three years, the last dude didn't have a plan in place. He said he no. did, and he didn't. He didn't. Okay. Um, it was trust. Trust the process. Yeah, that's basically what it was. All right, we're over We're over an hour, almost an hour, five minutes here on the pod. So this is a mega pod for you. I want to get to one more topic, and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. You mentioned... I don't know what your topic is. So I know. See, I'm going to be... We have mentioned Coletto. Uh-huh. That's the quarterback. How do we feel about quarterbacks right now at Oregon State? Let's stay away from... Stay away from uh, uh, um, what you, the future. Let right now. How do you feel about the quarterback position at Oregon State? That is my biggest question mark heading into the season because I haven't seen enough from any of them to feel confident that they're going to be the ones leading the team. That's. I know it's not like I'm not being rainbows and unicorns, but. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, I, Jake Luton, I, I hear he's not running yet. He's throwing, but he's not running. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot from Connor Blount. You have, you know, I, I still believe that Ducart's going to be a development guy. You have Aiden Willard, who is a red shirt. And, you know, the, he's spent time with Lindgren. You know, at Lindgren at Colorado had him to camp and knows what he can do. Um, same with Mason Moran. He recruited Mason at Colorado. But they're all unknowns. I, I just I like what I see from Coletto from what I've seen on film at Arizona Western, but um, yeah, spring is going to be interesting because Coletto will be there, so you really have Coletto and the, and the guys that are on the roster competing. Yeah, well, and I know we we had a video. I, I believe it was Amy. I saw a video by her on Twitter. We don't even know where Luton really is yet. You know, he could he could yeah. not be close to ready. He could maybe walk and do a little jog and throw, but does that really mean he's ready to, to suit up and, and start throwing spirals? Because I think the reason I bring that up is Coletto could ultimately be the answer or fill in whoever else you think uh, at the quarterback position here. That is the only thing I think I care about. Like, for all what we just broke down and all these great young players that we're hoping can make an impact, this program will not take that step it needs to unless they find the quarterback, right? Can't we all come to that conclusion? Josiah uh, Irish could be a great player. Uh, Tufunga could be, or Tufaga could be a great player. Josh Gray could be a great player. This will not matter unless they have a quarterback. You are a program that if you thrive, you thrive because you have a quarterback. Bigger programs can thrive without one. We are not that program. So, but I will I will offer this up, okay? Because this is my feeling. Okay, I feel that the quarterbacks, while they're not all world, the past few years, okay, I feel that success starts at the line, and I feel that the development of the offensive line under the past staff was poor to Porous. be nice. Yes. So, to get some coaching and development of those guys. I think will make everyone else around them better. The wide receivers will look better. The quarterbacks will look better, um, and you know the running backs. I, I just think it belo- it starts there. The disaster that was this team the past year, mm-hmm. just as far as development and coaching, 
and a plan. I mean, offensive plan. They never even had a plan for what they were going to run on offense. Honestly, it, it changed every year. So um, while I don't disagree with you, yeah, I'm not putting it all on the quarterback shoulders because I think. And, and do I think there's pieces in play on the offensive line? Yes. And I think with proper coaching, it could be a completely different look. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, okay, this is not going to be a great question, so maybe you don't want to answer it. But when you think back to when you think back to the Riley days, uh-huh. I, I, I want you to say this. Like I want to explain that this is not a meant to be disrespectful. Of the quarterbacks we saw, who would you say was kind of maybe not as as good as the others? If if you catch my drift, what the was Riley? Yeah, what is the quarterback you would pinpoint and say, yeah, okay, well if I'm picking them, you know, they all probably found some level of success, but this guy would probably be last on my pick. And that's hard though because I know so much other stuff, right? I and it's not going to be popular, but I probably would say Mannion. Okay. Oh, you'd say Mannion over like uh, uh, Moivau. Oh yeah, Lyle. I, yeah, cats. Yeah, cats was just was so little, right? We didn't see much of cats. Right, we saw like what, like a uh, half a game. I mean, well, no, we had uh, the one year he came in. Oh, the year, yeah, twenty ten. Um, yeah, okay. So cats, Moivau. Moivau could do some things with his legs, though. Right. I mean, okay, but see, I, for all that, and I know twenty ten was not a. I think twenty ten was their last bowl game. And then 2011, they they went and they sucked, and Mannion started. But see, for all for those two names, is there a quarterback we have on this roster that's even at that level? No. And see, that's my point. And I I, I don't worrisome. I don't disagree with what you're saying with the line and how important it absolutely is vital. But even though we had running game going, we had you know NFL offensive linemen, and sometimes those teams still weren't winning. Yeah. And, yeah, and that is that's that's ultimately that's no, that's a super point. No, that's a super point. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, even Lyle. I mean, that's Lyle did things with his legs, right? He, and he was smart, and, and he, he had that swagger to him. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, God. And, I mean, that's just it. I, I you go back because there's so many. I mean, Canfield. He had his moments. Of yep. He greatness. had his he, moments. Yeah. I don't know. I I still think the best quarterback in Riley's whole thing was uh, Matt Moore. Oh, yeah. Could have been Matt Moore, for sure. No doubt. All right. Well, anyways, I think we're basically on the same page, right? Ultimately, they need a quarterback. Yeah, you're right. That was a great... See, it's like you and I hanging out at a bar having a beer. We can just, like, (laughs) sit here and, like, point, counterpoint. That could be a lot of fun if uh, there's a bar out there interested, and maybe we do a live damn podcast with Beaver fans out, hanging out, having a beer, and we do, like, a big Q&A, and we do a pod on on location. That (laughs) could be fun. You you give me one drink, and, oh, man, the stories I can tell. That's great. We could maybe even... (laughs) We could maybe even do podcast and then we start drinking and we we obviously limit ourselves on the drinks because you don't want to be the drunken mess. And we have like a non-podcast Q&A with people and just have fun and talk about yeah, stories we heard. Fun. Yeah. That could be a good time. Off the record, I can tell some, some doozies. Absolutely. Some fun ones. All right. Um, is there anything else you want to get to? No. I You know, just it's, it's, a class, it's a good class. Good kids and character guys. All right. Well, um, I'm trying to get Scott Barnes. I'd love to do that. So Angie and I will be in contact to try to set something up. And uh, thank you guys so much for the questions. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Megapod Recruiting Edition um, as we post this on a Thursday. uh, Five o'clock is uh, right now, about what time we're wrapping up. So hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys 
for another edition of the damn podcast.